0: The famous Swiss psychologist and child development expert, Jean Piaget, said that play is the work of childhood. It's through play, he argued, that children learn all kinds of things, important social interactions and resilience skills that kids today seem to play less than they ever have before, particularly when life is so busy with working parents and extracurricular activities. It's so bad that IKEA have teamed up with a child development expert to give parents play goals for their kids. Brendan Hindman is a senior lecturer in personal development, health and physical education at Charles Sturt University, and he worked on this project with IKEA. Hi, Brendan. How are you?
1: Hi, good morning.
0: If you had to rate the importance of play in a child's life on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is the most important, how would you rate it?
1: I, it would have to be the the foundation of life, really. It's when everything's being trialled and explored across the senses and when those important connections are being developed mentally and socially and physically. So as we know, the, the by kids exploring and inventing through those areas. They're setting up those connections so they've got the habits to counter those variables later on. So it's really the foundation of life and as they move later into childhood and beyond, those areas can be advanced upon and continue to develop those connections.
0: So would that be an eight?
1: I would have to say uh, nine to ten because, uh, I mean, there is instances where play won't be brought in, so so we might have to take it a, a little bit away from the 10. But in terms of actual fundamental importance, it's a 10, but we can't always fit it into every part of our day for our children.
0: So with that in mind, is there an optimal amount of time that children should be playing, let's say for kids under six?
1: If we use our health guidelines as a, as a base, so... Up until school age, there's that real recommendation that, that our children engage in three hours of active play type activity up until school age. So that that's already there as a health guideline. And, and the more cognitive and social that active play is, that's great to, to meet all those other connections what's really important is that three hours continues into the primary school age because there's a big transition there so our children are starting to play with more and more peers they're in a different context they've got teachers Uh, they're they're off to school all day so what this research from ikea is, is really finding is parents believe that that amount of play is dropping as they as they hit that primary school age and some of that could be attributed to seven in ten of those parents felt that the schools were already doing enough and, and they also felt like there could be more done outside of, of school hours.
0: So how would you define play then? Because some people might hear that three-hour framework and think, oh, I've got to um, organise a Jimbaroo date for my kid or I've got to take them to play soccer in a team. Like, How do you define play, active play? the
1: recommendations for the three hours. So I guess it becomes more crucial at that primary age. So I guess, first of all, we we want our schools to set that absolute expectation of one hour of free play time each day. And and at the moment, that's quite variable. So there's a guideline, but depending on a school's context, they can determine exactly how how much time they they want to allocate, okay? The, The second would be... To really create that expectation, Uh, so at home we we need that value, uh, or that we, as a family, we value play. We need an hour now to just switch off our devices. Let's dedicate that to quality play time, and that can really create an onward onward effect. So by valuing that one hour at home, that can carry over to the school setting. So my my uh, family really values and is modelling play and and so that's transferring to the school environment and perhaps later on when they they have their own kids that that's an expectation that they had in their families then the third is to really the third uh, hour that we can really allocate is there's a real trend towards not seeing play in in more structured parts of the day so what what we're seeing and the parents from This survey are really saying that chores get in the way, homework gets in the way. Uh, In my research, uh, formal learning in classrooms is seen as uh, opposing play. So there's all these aspects of the day which are seen as, okay, that's non-play related. And and so we need to think of a few ways to really playify those processes that are seen as scheduled. So that's really important because... um, we can, we can simply break up that time it might be five minutes and let's let's do a, a playful task around let's come up with some the child actually directing their play with clapping games or rhythms and dances and songs and action. so they're the three three hours that that's what it would look like and in terms of the, the definition of play it's always about that uh, creativity that, the exploration and coming up with choice and the trial really directing those play processes.
0: Do you think play is more important than homework?
1: What I really think is homework is set, uh, which is generally very structured. And I think, especially in childhood, it can be uh, played out more. So, Let's just say you have a you know a simple math task and a child's learning how to put numbers together or put sequences of numbers together. Why not act it out with the family yeah, and and solve problems with some role plays or whether it's an english task yeah, why why not yeah come up with different characters to, to solve the the idea so just really thinking more less structured with you know you, you've got to sit down with a piece of paper and you've got to type out this answer or, you know, I, th- I think we can do a lot more in those processes that are seen as more scheduled. And That's, that's what I really think. We're seeing times as, as play or not play, and, and I think we can ensure that there's a little bit more play in the day because we know that there's so many barriers now, so we need to create those time slots that kids can have those opportunities to develop some play.
0: Now, I'm Gen X, and Gen X are very fond at looking back at their own childhood and talking about how kids were allowed out in the morning and didn't come home until the lights were on. I'm not sure that that was my childhood, but many other people will say that was theirs. Do we actually know that children today are getting less playtime than those of previous generations?
1: Yeah, we do. And I've written some recent articles on this in that, Research is actually coming out uh, reporting this. Uh, You know, there's increased urbanisation. There's perceived uh, safety dangers around active transporting out in the neighbourhood. So parents want to be driving their their child around a a lot more. Yeah, so through that urbanisation, there's less space to be playing. But also in schools. So depending on a school's priority, they might use their funding for more classroom Structures and those sort of things which is impacting on that really powerful outdoor play and those sort of things so there is a lot of concerns around that and and also adult perceptions around play so in addition to to parents and adults thinking more fondly of how they used to play, that can also be a barrier within teachers' decisions in schools so some other research that I've conducted around. Uh, adults making decisions around kids play they might actually intervene if they see play that wasn't like how they play kids play obviously evolves and sometimes it may not be uh, really positive type stuff but yeah so adults can, can intervene sometimes if it wasn't how, how they actually saw play should be or they might see it as messy or unhygienic unhy- or a little <laughs> bit too uh, rough and tumble and and these sort of things. So th- this is some of my recent research into the adult decisions around that as well.
0: See, I would have thought parents were more cautious about how their kids played than they themselves played. You know, the the idea, the rough and tumble, etc. like there was very few safe playgrounds when I was a kid, and yet now kid parents won't take their kids to a playground if they don't have that s- soft, spongy stuff to fall on. Um, did you find anything like that, that parents are actually um, worried about their kids and being a bit too close to their kids when they play?
1: Uh, a, a little bit. So I guess what we're finding is there is a, a trend towards... Wanting to protect the, the children more in, in the schools, uh, and there might there's even examples from research that parents more likely want to accompany into the school playground and those sort of things. But what we what we do know is that moderate level of risk is really important uh, for the child. So that's just allowing them to really experience the thrill of overcoming a minor obstacle. So we don't want a huge safety risk, but What we really, what we really want is that calculated risk, whether it be a height or climbing a a certain surface or or those sort of things or stacking things together. And yeah, so it just needs to be that little level of risk that they can overcome because my research is really showing that that's when they're reporting they're enjoying their active play. And if they're enjoying active play, the research is also saying that that's one of the most Powerful outcomes for play to continue right, or, or even physical activity participation right into adulthood.
0: You did find that the time kids spend playing declines as they get older. I would have thought that was quite a natural progress for children as they age and develop different tastes. Um are you seeing that it's kind of it, it's exacerbated because of technology and screens and that it's not a, a great thing?
1: Yeah, well, I guess that's our expectation. Uh, I, I think, what, I mean, if you, if you look at the, the secondary school environment at the moment, there's almost that expectation, okay, kids don't need to play anymore. And it's a, obviously play is going to evolve. So the, the level of skills and connections are going to reach a certain level. So at primary school, they've spent their whole primary school developing those fundamentals of movement, you know, the the jumping and kicking and those sort of things. Once the child hits secondary school, a lot of a lot of the research that I've done has, has really shown that okay, they're, they're at secondary school now, so now that now we've got a lot more picnic tables, a lot more sitting areas, uh, there's places to eat and. Some of the stats that have just, just come out at secondary school level. So a big global report just came out recently, very recently, that showed that Australia was actually ranked 140th out of 146 countries worldwide for adolescents meeting the recommended national guidelines for physical activity. So that, that really sort of starts to point towards, OK, we we need to sort of build upon those connections a little bit more. So what are some things we can do in the secondary schools to advance upon those early play connections? Because I do not it's almost as if play doesn't naturally drop off. We're just not expanding upon those early connections.
0: Now, one of the things you um, found in your research was that parents could get more involved with their kids playing And I'm kind of curious about this because I have often heard that child-led play is um, great for them, the independence is great for them, and also speaking as a busy working parent who doesn't necessarily enjoy playing (laughs) all the games my kids create, uh, I'm just wondering about how important that parental involvement is and how you see that happening today when a lot of um, families have two parents at work.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really the, the role model aspect of valuing it. It's creating that expectation. And and the hallmark of play is that the child self-directs that. Sometimes a child may not be in a playful mood, but I think it, some of the little things that we can do just at home, it doesn't need to be too burdensome. I mean, we we're, we're all got such busy lives now, but sometimes it might be, just creating some open-ended questions if a child's not really wanting, uh, like in that playful mood, uh, open-ended questions about a uh, an activity or you know characters or movements and those sort of things, and then then we can take a step back once the child's engaged in that imaginative process, and then they can direct their play from there. I, I think there's the sort of things that, that we can look at uh, because some of those barriers, and like you mentioned. There was that real focus on okay i've got chores i'm coming home from work uh, our child's got homework there's just going to be no opportunity to play and i think what we can really consider is just really creating that expectation that we do value play and modeling that expectation okay my family values play so it's it's okay this is what they do this is great and Uh, And turning off those devices. And, And most of the parents from that parental survey actually reported that the children would prefer to use devices than non digital aspects of play. And there's a certain time and a place where digital learning is important, but the research is really showing that devices are having a massive impact. If they're, they're they're being used too much uh, for entertainment purposes, so it's not saying get rid of them altogether, but we really need to to show, especially after hours, we need to value one hour. Let's turn off our devices. Let's value some offline play, and, and you know create those social connections as a family or with peers or whoever it may be, and engage in. Obviously, the, the best will be uh, ticking all those boxes, the active, social and emotional and cognitive type play and, and connecting through those. But, yeah, we, we really need to break up the device use and, and create reflective opportunity for everyone. It's like, hey, well, this is actually really good. I, I'm feeling a lot more connected to my family. I'm feeling better physically because I'm not constantly engaged in these devices. And, yeah, I, I'm feeling fresher mentally.
0: Brendan, thank you so much for your time today.
1: It's a pleasure.
0: That's Brendan Hindman. He's a child development expert and senior lecturer in personal development, health and physical education at Charles Sturt University. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch